ASI episode 13, Lucky 13 once again, season 3 of the podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. Bumper music for you there from Full Beats. This uh, album's called Outlaw Gentlemen and Shady Ladies. I <laughs> love that. It's, uh, that's my listening audience right there, right? Reading a book by a guy named Nate Larkin. He wrote this book, uh, Samson and the Pirate Monks. It's great stuff. I guess I'm, I'm going to be on his podcast soon. Uh, I like the book, you know, I've, I've had it on my radar for a while, I finally bought it, finally picked it up, started reading it, some really good stuff in there, I recommend it, um, but yeah, speaking of outlaw gentlemen, the Pirate Monks, he does a podcast called Pirate Monk Radio, anyway, thanks for downloading, streaming, whatever you're doing with the ASI podcast today, a few things right up front, if you uh, listen on uh, Apple device, man, if you could subscribe to the podcast, maybe leave a review, that would be awesome. Helps keep this thing rolling down the information superhighway, right? Um, also, if you're listening on Stitcher Radio, uh, thumbs up. I don't know. You hit the thumbs up button or subscribe. You hit the star button. Favorite the podcast. That helps too. If you like it, if you don't, don't you know seriously uh got an interview today with my friend and cohort brother in arms Derek Hahn it's gonna be a hopefully a awesome iron sharpening iron type of listening experience uh donations man this thing runs on donations by the way uh asi247.org uh tanks getting a little low so, just throwing that out there. Um, my email address, russ at asi247.org, if you'd like to email me, the host. Um, yes, it's busy this time of year. This seems to be the busiest time for those of us who do ministry to the you know folks that are sexually broken, right? Us who struggle with sexual brokenness. This is... Springtime, just something about springtime, man. Tell you what, it gets uh, it gets intense, it gets busy. So, but I don't want you to think that uh, you know you you, do, you well, I'm not gonna bother Ross because he's busy and who am I? No, bother me. I encourage that, especially man, especially if you've never talked about this. Um, man, if you are sexually addicted, if you have unwanted sexual behavior, if you find yourself going, I did it again! What the, what the frick is wrong with me? Right, right, on a regular basis, if that's you, uh, man, you need to email somebody. You need to talk about it. Email's a great way to do it. Yes, you're behind the screen. Um, I would encourage you to do it face-to-face, to talk to someone about it, eye-to-eye, face-to-face at some point, but I tell you what, sending an email is a great start. Um, Russ at ASI247.org. 
AzaI247.org. Good way to remember that is AzaI247.org. On with the show. My interview with Derek Hahn. Here you go. Derek Hahn, welcome, my friend, to the ASI podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, I'm at a fun stage of life. I got a new baby on the way. That's right. And I'm uh, a two-and-a-half-year-old at home. And uh, so right now we're just kind of in chill mode, taking taking as much relaxed time at home as we can and, and just enjoying each other's company. Very cool. You're going to be... Uh... A dad again. Yeah. Like this month or? Uh, right? It'll be at the end of May. Right. So, oh, end so, of May. That's right. So about yeah. five and a half weeks. Wow. Yeah, coming up soon. Yeah. She's she's out there. Yeah. She's got full waddle going yes, on. Yes, she does. She's very uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and Yeah. Right on, man. Well, again, you know, I'm honored to have you on the podcast. It's uh, We've talked a little bit about this in the past. You were uh, my community group leader for a little while right. until John took over. He's been on the podcast. Um, but you also did some stuff with uh, with the church. We both go to the same church, Mars Hill Church um, in Seattle. We both go to the Everett campus. I don't know if that's important, but just, just to let pe- people know how we know each other and stuff. Um, but you were, you worked with kind of the purity ministry back in the day, back in Ballard. Um, how long ago was that? Oh man, that was probably four years ago, four or five years ago. Um, so that was under, uh, Mr. Lloyd, what was his first name? Noel, Noel Lloyd, I think. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that was, it was really good group. Yeah. Um, it it really helped me kind of get a hold of where I was at, at the time sexually um, and kind of straighten out. Um, there were some interesting things that came out of that just in terms of um, that group tended to be really religious and focused um, um, a little too strongly at times on, on uh, you know, breaking rituals and, and, and you know, uh, uh, protecting yourself, which is important, but um, they tend to focus too strongly on that and less on Jesus and your relationship with him right. and maintaining that. Um, so, so More I, on shoulds and oughtos than heart stuff. Right. right? And, uh, and checklists and what did I do this week? What didn't I do this week? And group therapy and which right. is all, which all can be very valuable, but um, uh, also can be idolatrous and a little dangerous if you That's right. uh, get too deep into it. So. You can have a great, beautiful car, but if you don't put any fuel in it, it doesn't right. do you a lot of good, but that's when uh, that's one of the reasons that uh, those groups became redemption groups, which is what we do now. Um, but I wanted to kind of get into your stories. You have a really interesting story. Um, growing up as as a young man, um, your folks were were missionaries, right? Uh, they were mission focused. So I went. They weren't like long term missionaries, but I went on a lot of missions as a kid. Right. Uh, Short term, one month, two months stuff uh, mostly in Africa right so getting around Can folks in, in Africa is your dad like a doctor or something he's like a dentist that? a dentist my that's right. mom's a nurse so we started doing doing a lot of trips uh, that really started when I was I think the first trip was when I was 16 
Oh, wow. Um, but then, so I was in a month in Kenya, and then 18, I was six weeks in India, and then two weeks in, in um, Ethiopia. And then when I was 20, I was three months in Egypt. Wow. Um, and then a couple of, like a two-week, couple two-week trips to Honduras, a couple two-week trips to Zambia. Wow. Um, that type of thing. Wow. That's a lot of traveling over there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's an interesting, interesting part of the world, man. So when did uh, you start to notice that the whole kind of sexual thing was, was out of control, maybe off the rails? Well... Um, I was that kid that always had to pretend that I didn't like girls. Right. Like, like I was always interested in women, even from, I mean, as far back as I can remember. Uh -huh. Um, so it's always been a temptation. Um, I, you know, 13, 14, I was, you know, looking through the, the National Geographics, trying right. to find something if I could, you know, lingerie catalogs. Um, and then 15 and a half, 16... The internet came out. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. and, and that was, I mean, just right in the sweet spot. I mean, right. that was, uh, and and that, so that started up pretty quick, um, figuring out how to navigate around that. Uh, my parents figured out it was a problem and then set up a filter on the home computer. And, and then it became kind of a, almost a challenge. Like, I would just try and hack through. Right. Hack through. And then, and then <laughs> you know, even that was kind of addictive. Uh -huh. Like, like half the addiction was was the pornography itself, and then half the addiction was just the excitement of of Being finally like a spy right right of finally breaking through and figuring uh -huh. out all these loopholes. I and, feel you, man, and I and I like you know the X three software and the stuff that's mm -hmm. out there. There's some good tools out there, but again, if your heart wants to look at porn, you're right. going to look at porn. Right. You can put you know and, and yeah, it's like like your your inner hacker comes out. Right. Let's see if I can find a way around this. And still, with today's technology, you know, I've got guys and emails and stuff, and it's it's still pretty easy to get around. I've got, I finally, I kind of pulled together my own thing. Right, right now, work is where the most temptation is for me, uh -huh. um, which is weird because it's a fairly recent thing, like the last two years. Um, but, uh, but I've pulled together kind of a mishmash of different things that really, I mean, they don't stop me completely, and if I really want to, I can get through it. But they give me you know, up to a half hour right. to just kind of relax and think about doing, it right. and pray through stuff and call somebody if I need to. Um, so that's, that stuff's very valuable, but it can't be your in-all end-all. Right. You, you can't expect to, to gain success by just, um, just doing that right. and, and, and ignoring, you know, your relationship with Christ and your relationship with your family and the people around you and, and really examining where your heart is. So, right, right. Um, it's a, it's a kind of like a fence. Right. And it'll give you enough time to. Am I going to climb over this fence right. or? I really have to choose to. <laughs> right. To keep scaling yes, the wall, right. so to speak. So, um, was there any like, I don't know. You know, I ask a lot of people about this, and I know it's a tender subject, but was there a, a tipping point, a, a trauma center, like sexual assault or sexual abuse or? you know, maybe just overly curiosity as young people, that happens as well. That that happened in your life to trigger some of this, do you, do you believe? Um, not really. It's just always been kind of an area. I mean, there's there's been times in my life uh, 
like in college when I transferred from a Christian school to a, um, to a, a state school, um, it, just a whole bunch of things in my life came together at the same time where I really got abandoned by community and, and I was not in a place where there was a good church um, and the people I was hanging out with uh, were not Christian right. um, and I had a lot of anger towards my family and the church in general and there were some very blatant indulgences right? Um, of, you know, things I'd always wanted to do I always wanted to dry out um, and then and so I had about three years in the state school uh, where, where it was just a progressive downward slope. Things just got darker and darker and darker. Right. Um, and then I came out of college and moved out here with a friend um, and was pretty, I mean, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was sexually active and, and you know, cheating on people and uh, morally really just kind of screwy. Right. Uh, and my relationship with Christ was really pretty non-existent. Right. Um, and then I started going to Mars Hill and got hooked up with a community group. And my community group leader took me to um, to the men's purity group, mm -hmm. uh, which was, that was a huge turnaround for me. Um, so what, what spawned that, though? What was the decision that you decided to go to that purity group with that guy? Uh, I had mentioned in group a couple times that it was, that I was just struggling Right. With pornography, uh, and and these relationships with women that I was having, um, and my community group leader told me that there was this group and asked me if I'd go uh -huh. uh, with him, and he took me with, and uh, and I remember sitting in the first group, and they, it was there was like a half hour orientation time. Um, it was the like they they had certain times where they'd introduce a bunch of new people to the group, and this was one of those. Um, and then, uh, that was about half hour, and then you'd split into your groups, which from then on, then forward, you would be in that group of people. <clears throat> and that first half an hour, I had this, I, it was a, it was a literal, like, it was a nearly audible voice in my head telling me that this was wrong, and this was, this was not good for me, and this is not something that I needed, and, and almost like a panic inside of me telling me to get out right wow. uh, and at the time I thought it was the Holy Spirit uh -huh. uh, it was not <clears throat> it was I pretty I mean it, it was a demonic force or or my f flesh just manifesting a really rebellious um, right fear-based yes. kind of uh, angry it was scary. <laughs> right. it was I was scared wow. I was really scared it was yeah. it was a panicky almost suffocating feeling Right, right. Like, you know, can't get enough air, this isn't right, there's something wrong here, kind of feeling. Wow. So where did you go from there? Uh, I stuck with it. I'm not entirely sure why. Right. Um, uh, I was actually, so at the end of that half hour, I was kind of ready to leave. Uh -huh. But then they were like, well, we'll split into the groups. And I ended up actually being in Noel's group. He was uh -huh. the leader. And I was, there was something about him that I was uh, attracted to. I thought he was really interesting. Uh, person, um, and I wanted to get to know him better. <clears throat> and then looking around, some of the guys in my group, uh, they just looked like interesting, cool people. Right. I was like, "Well, okay, I'll, I'll give this a try." And and then it was probably three weeks in, and I was, I was hooked. That's cool. It it was cool. Um, it was also, I mean, and when I say hooked, I, like, I think there was, <laughs> it was it was a 
it was God pulling me in a good direction, um, but then eventually it became something that I I took way too far. Right. Um, and and they had these things called pickies, which was literally a checklist of oh, you know, wow. seven things you're supposed to do each day. Uh -huh. um, and and I just fastened on to that and would do and in theory you're you're supposed to give yourself a little room uh -huh. and so you know there's 49 possible checks and you were supposed to do all but you know maybe 15 to 20 of them to give yourself a break and I was down to you know I'd only miss one every two or three two or three a week wow. so so I, and I was just cruising through this um, I had got this new job so I was just piling on work um, and and was busy every night uh, I had I'm a swing dancer, so I had started dancing wow. four times a night. I just got into this, like, super busy, hyper, I can do anything I want to um, lifestyle. Right. Like, like, I got addicted to accomplishment and to success and to, to the, you know, the dopamine that you get when you achieve something. Yeah, right, right. Um, and and um, that lasted about a year and a half, and then I just had a huge crash because I had taken on way more than... It was a weird point to get to where my mind was was able to continue and handle all the load that I was taking on, but my body completely rebelled and told me that I was I had way too much stress. Um, so I ended up with a peptic ulcer, and I was having you know massive headaches. I was sleeping like two hours a night, um, and you know just push, 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 go, go, go. Right. Ended up having to you know just having a kind of a physical breakdown. Had to take week and a half off of work and go to my home to my parents home and over in idaho and just chill out wow. and uh, and that was kind of a wake up that you know i just i just i traded one addiction for another right right um, and this is before you met misha before you got married and all that yeah we were dating at the time uh-huh um yeah so so it was probably three or four months before we got married wow. leading up to that. so i had tons of stuff going on right, right and i had just way overloaded myself um, and and uh, you know got addicted to the to the adrenaline from being you know and, and cortisol and stuff from being stressed out. Right. You know those hormones, the stress hormones, right, right. Are, are addictive if you keep oh, plugging yeah. them at them, plugging at them. And so it's it's like I'm also studying and going to go into some of the study of the twelve step system. And there's some good information out there and some new research that's uh, come up about the twelve step. Um, SA kind of stuff, and there's a lot of folks that have got a lot of uh, really good success in that. But that's something that I've seen too, where it's really the leadership that helps with that. <laughs> Honestly, I think that the main research that's out there, if, if we're honest and we get down to bare bones, it's a heart thing that says, um, I'm around a group of guys that I can, if you're a guy, right? I'm around a group of guys that I can trust. And that I can let behind the counter, that right. I can be transparent with. And I, I've got one individual that I may be able to just call and, and, and bounce things off of. And I trust this person. This person has my best interest at heart. And I know that. Mm -hmm. But I think that what you were saying, when it gets into that kind of checklist making, religious sort of, you know, toxic, that's that's toxic religion right there. Whether it's you know, whether it's in a church system or in a 12-step system, when it's just about checking off the boxes, that's when we, we can get into trouble, huh, Derek? Right. 
and that's not what it's about. You right. know? It's more of a heart thing, isn't right. it? Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I the methods aren't necessarily a bad way to go. Right. But you just have to be aware that it's potentially dangerous. Yeah. Um, and it's something that can become just another addiction. Yeah. And it is a good thing for leaders to, to understand, too. Right. Or if you're in an SA group where a guy's, you know, bringing up boxes and stuff like that. And, and if you feel like you have to perform, like you're in some kind, like you're at the freaking gym class at junior high school and and he's pointing at the rope up on the ceiling and you feel like, uh-uh, man, that's a good time to, to talk about that, isn't it? And, and the guy that who can knock out the, you know, I can climb that rope in three minutes right. flat. Right, yeah. There is, he may not be the healthiest cat in the room. Yeah, there can be just kind of a sense of competition <laughs> right. that crops up that's... That's right. That's, yeah, not necessarily a good thing. So... Talk about marriage a little bit. You got married after that. Did you kind of have that in your head where you thought that that might fix it? Or did you already kind of wash that out a little bit? No, I, I didn't think it would fix it. Uh, my dad has had a pornography problem for all through his marriage and something that he struggles wow. with. And has been pretty open with me since I was probably 13 or 14 just um, telling me how he struggled. Um, so I, and I'd talked to enough people that I knew it wasn't going to magically disappear right um you kind of you kind of hope that it will <laughs> yeah. um and 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 but uh but i i didn't have any fantasy in my head that, that i would just i i never really viewed marriage as a and everything will be happy ever happily ever right ever <laughs> that wasn't something i ever really struggled with so right um, and the first two years of our marriage were actually really really rough I'm not from a, we got along really well, Misha and I, but we just had a lot of really hard things happen. Um, so the, I don't know, we kind of, it helped us to bond, but it took some of the shine off of the magical apple of marriage, you know, right, everything right. was just going to be perfect. And uh, and we just kind of got into the trenches right away, right. Um, which was hard, but I mean, in retrospect, it was, I think it was a really good thing for us. Yeah, there's some good stats on that was it the first year and the seventh year usually were things right yeah. <laughs> and but uh you know thank god for for community and, and talking about stuff but you bring up a few really good points that that uh that i wanted to touch on like you know 83 percent. i guess some number that was thrown out there and it came from i believe it was columbia college in new york they said 83 percent of sex addicts or people with unwanted sexual behavior were sexually abused that's not your story so you fall into that that place, and, and, and that gives a lot of people hope, because I've had a lot of emails from folks who say, you know, that's not my story, Ross, and, and I, 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 what the heck, <laughs> right? So, you know, I'm glad you, you brought that up. It's It was just kind of a, a fascination with you, right? right. It was just it kind was of... Just, I remember the first time I saw pornography, I was probably uh, eight years old, uh -huh. and a friend had a big stack of Playboys hidden out in the woods somewhere, and we went and looked at them. And, and yeah, and I mean, and it was just, I didn't recognize it at the time, but it's just that, that, it, you know, just a huge rush of dopamine and just really excited, but also really, really numbing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, quelled my emotions and, and, you know, helped me feel settled for a couple of minutes that I would, that I would look at them. And I just remember 
like it gripped me really hard right away. Yeah. Um, and and was just something that I was really interested in. Right. And um, and it's yeah been been pretty consistent. Right. Desire and temptation since then. So. Yeah. It gets it gets in gets its hooks in you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that too, being a kid, and, and my dad had a, a big stack of Playboys. And then the neighbor girl would want to come over and, and act out the poses. Hmm. I was like seven. Yeah. You know? It was just bad. And this is before a lot of the dark sexual abuse that, that did happen to me. Um, but, but yeah, I remember that fascination with pornography. And then my dad had videotapes, you know, in the 80s, and me and my stepbrother finding his videotape collection. and. Yeah, it was just downhill from there. Um, but there is hope, right? I mean, you've you've seen some victory over right. this thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always. I mean, right now things are difficult just because Misha's pregnant at the third trimester, and Demisky's low. Right. So the past six weeks have just been rough in general. But um, but but no, I've seen a ton of hope. I see a counselor regularly once a month, oh, yeah. and we spend a lot of time talking. Um, through that, I've always responded well to modern psychology. He's a good Christian counselor, goes to Mars Hill, Everett, so I see him at church every once in a while. But that's um, cool. But, uh, but, um, I mean, it's not. It's a, it's a hard thing to go through, but it's also really nice to just have kind of an indicator of where my relationship with Jesus and and my friends and family are. Yeah. Because um, if I'm struggling, it means things aren't good. Right. And there's usually something else going on. Um, and it's just, it's, I mean, it's bad, and I'm not glad that I have it, but at the same time, it's a really useful tool um, that I can, you know, pretty consistently and easily just kind of think, okay, how am I doing mm-hmm. with this temptation? And, and just kind of gauge, okay, if I'm doing really bad, it means my relationship with Jesus is probably really bad. So I, I need to, um, you know, spend more time in prayer, praying this through. Um, right, talking um, about stuff. Right, listening to sermons. Like hanging. the first responders going by out here. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but that's that's cool. It's like you need, um, you need that. People need that, whether they want right. to admit it or not. And there's kind of a, it's kind of an American thing, isn't it? Here in this country, especially here in the Northwest, we're like rugged individualists, <laughs> right. especially us men. And we, th- and a lot of guys see that as weakness, you know? I mean, just like the, the sirens and stuff, we're doing, doing this interview in a parking lot in my van in the gritty city. It, well, there's sirens going off and stuff like that. But it, it's kind of like that. Like most dudes think that, like, I'm not weak. Like, okay, you get in a car accident, should we just let you freaking hobble away? You know, emotionally, it's important that we understand that that it's kind of like that. Having other people in your life, it, 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 not just your emotional health, but spiritually. Like, there, there is a spirit world. There, we are spiritual beings. I love that, that line by C.S. Lewis. He's like, um, it's not that you have a soul. It's that you are a soul and you have a body. It's like we have it backwards. I like that. Yeah. And that's it, that's a big part of recovery. And, and, and it's understanding, you know, the first step is the most important step. That we're not God. You know, we're not God. It's, it's, it's a wake-up call. The other benefit is that I know that my pornographic 
addiction is a sin. Mm-hmm. And I always really worry about the people that don't have any obvious sinful addictions. Right. That they're just really religious people. And they don't necessarily have anything in their life that they can, you know, that they can... They, they you know, they think that everything's great because they've been following the rules for so long. And they, uh, you know, they do this and this and this. And they don't have any problems, you know. And, and everything that they touch just, you know, is successful and, and turns to gold. Um, but they have no relationship with Jesus. And they don't really understand... Um, you know, they don't have anything on the, in their life to give them an indicator of, of where their relationship is. Right. Um, which is a really scary. I think there's a, uh, I can't remember, the famous preacher that Mark always talks about. Spurgeon? Spurgeon, yeah. Yeah. Talks about, uh, you know, a, uh, a really re- uh, upstanding judge. And uh, have you told this story before? Uh-huh. And, uh, uh-huh. and uh, just the, the town drunk both came up uh, to an altar call. Uh-huh. And they both, um, um, they both gave their life over to Christ, and everybody was talking to the judge, like, "Oh, it's so amazing that the town drunk, you know, figured out that his life was a disaster." And, he, and the judge says, "Actually, I think it's way more miraculous that Jesus was able to touch me because I thought that I had everything figured out. I mean, nobody would ever look at me and say, you know, that man's that going to hell. Jesus. Yeah, that guy's going straight to hell. <laughs> right, like right. everybody thinks that I have my life together, um, and and just the fact that Jesus was able to open my eyes and show me." Um, that, you know, even though to other men it looks like, you know, I'm the perfect individual, um, to Jesus I've got just as much addiction and filth and sin in my life as right. a town drunk does. Um, and and the fact that Jesus was able to reveal that to me as opposed to town drunk is, is really miraculous. That's right. Because the drunks had people telling him he's a loser all his life. Yeah. And, um, but, but the, it's, yeah, it's, it's more, mirac- I mean, it, it's really miraculous that people... Um, who are really sucked into religion. Right. And sometimes it's this addiction that fleshes that out a little bit. exactly. Because for a lot of folks, and I've got emails over the years from folks who haven't had the chemical issues like I have. Right. Like you you hadn't had that either, right? You didn't have drug addiction. You haven't been to a 12-step group or anything I don't seem to have chemical addiction problems. Right. I can smoke tobacco and and never had any withdrawals. Alcohol's never been an issue. Like, there's never been a chemical I've taken where it's like, oh, like, you know, right. well, that's it. Like, like I got to have more of that. But um, the pornography stuff has always just been, been, been right it. There. Yeah. yeah. And like, like you know, I, I was the, you can have your drugs and rock and roll. Right. But, but I'll, I'll give all <laughs> that up. <laughs> just sex. get the sex. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's kind of like, and that's how it is, too. This addiction is progressive. And when it's just in the dark, um, like my friend John, who has the the purityreport.com, it's kind of a form and a great website for folks who struggle. He says that it, it's like mold, you know, it just grows in the dark. It's, it's this best right. <laughs> darkness in it. It just grows. And, and, you know, you hear these guys who say, you know, some guy like some senator or celebrity who's caught in some affair or the guy at the airport, you know, who's tapping his shoe, right. waiting to get a blowjob in the stall or whatever. Mm. And Mr. Wiener like, taking pictures of him. <laughs> Mr. Wiener, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, these stories and people go, like, I'm so surprised. And I'm not. No, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Because th- that was that cat's deal. And he didn't talk about it. And it just got progressively worse. And the reason that... He looked so squeaky clean was because that was his thing, and yeah. he was able to keep the one thing 
under wraps for so long. Yeah. Because it was, you know, it's probably, he's probably really just got a problem with one thing, yeah. which is this, you know, sex sexual thing. perversion. Yeah. And, and he's gotten really good at hiding that and That's figuring right. out, you know, when he can and can't do it. Except, yeah. except there's always some part of you that where the possibility of getting caught is kind of part of the thrill. Yeah. So a lot of these guys get... Adrenaline. Right, right. Yeah. Get sucked into that and eventually they get caught and... It makes yeah. it news. Right. For a lot of these guys. And for some of them, and maybe you're listening, there's a few of you out there who it made news in your your house, right? Your wife catches you or a boss catches you. There was an article a while back about, you know, a great way to, like in our state, if you lay someone off, you're going to have to pay unemployment insurance on that right. person. But if you fire them, right. you, you don't have to. Right. So they would, you know, they would get these security firms to come in and just scan everyone's computer, right. and instead of laying people off, just go, all right, you've you're been looking at porn, you've been right. looking at porn, yeah. you've been looking at the gambling site, you're all fired. Right. And when that happens, you know, you may not be a celebrity or whatnot, but the, but it hits your world, you know. Um, it's like that rock bottom moment. Rock bottom is when you decide this is enough. I've had enough. I need to talk to someone. I need to make some, take some steps. I need to, to see some results in this unwanted behavior changing. And, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis said, that's another, another quote by Lewis was, you know, a lot of people will point at the guy who's, who's jacked up and, and he's kind of a mess and say, well, that guy's a Christian, you know, come on. I, I don't know if I want to be a Christian if that guy's a Christian. And Lewis is like, yeah, but if he wasn't a Christian, Imagine how worse, right. <laughs> how much worse that cat would be. Yeah, he's probably alive because he's a Christian. Exactly. Yeah. Or not in prison. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's easier for us to judge. It's easier for us to sit, you know, in, in on the throne of our own heart and, and say, well, look at that guy. But I think God is really calling us to, to examine our, ourselves and our, examine our own our own desires and in, in the way that they pull us downstream in time. I've always thought, you know, Christianity, the motto is not, I'm better than you. It's, I'm better than I used to be. Right. Which is, you know, which for some people is not very good at all. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> which is just barely holding on. Yeah. But, but it's, uh, it's way better than, than they were without Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So what do you think about, you know, I want to kind of bounce this off you as a guy who's, who's been in the recovery ministry, um, a, a guy who, like you were saying, you know, you've struggled with the heart stuff and the, and the, the, you know, the behavior stuff, because I think that like, you know, like Carnes was saying about the 12 steps and the, and the results that come from that, there is an important thing to having steps, Right. but I guess, you know, where do we meet in between? That was one thing that you reminded me of. The first time I met Derek here, um, I was in a, a group with Leo, who's also been on the, the podcast here. Um, and he was leading a group for addicts. And you had brought a guy who will go unnamed, but you brought a guy who was struggling with cocaine addiction. Meth. Meth. It was yeah, meth it addiction. Was meth, yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and he saw some good success too, which was awesome. But, but like I say, like you've, you've seen that and you've been through some of that what, what do you 
I get because I, I don't know, <laughs> you know. I've been doing this for a while, but what do you think about that? Like, how did how did the steps help you? I mean, because it did help some right. before before it became a right. an addiction. Um, what do you think is the healthy healthy side of the scale? Yeah, I mean, everything in life is some kind of balance, right? And uh, and I've always thought if people on either extreme are telling you you're doing it wrong if they're both telling you you're doing it wrong you're probably doing it okay (laughs) (laughs) you're probably right where you're supposed to be right um uh and it's just a constant adjustment and just something you have to keep in front of your front of your head and remind your friends about and have your friends remind you um you know that's that's where your support community really comes in handy right because it's really hard for you to see where you are in that scale Um, but it's usually a lot easier for somebody else to yeah. figure out where you are on that scale um, and say, hey, man, this is, um, you know, you're taking this way, this part of the step way too seriously and it's way too important to you and, and it's and it's negatively affecting your be- behavior and your relationships um, and it's become addictive for you. Right. And, you may, and you may need to, to uh, step back a little bit and, and reassess yeah. and figure out, you know, it's like, it's like food, right? You can't just give up food, yeah. and you can't eat twenty four hours a day. Right. You got to find some kind of healthy balance. Yeah. And and uh, somewhere in the middle, you can't just start giving it up um, completely. And and I guess it would be, you know, the the balance of of religion and your addiction. Right. Um. So. Repentance. It's a right. it's a repentance redemption relationship thing right yeah and it can only be solved through relationship yeah. relationship is is what balances everything out relationship with christ relationship with your family and, and the community you're in um they are the weights on either end of the scale that balance you off and and you know you see it you know every real loony that you meet um tends to live in a lot of isolation that yeah. tends to be a real con- constant and and the people that I really get really extreme is that they just don't have people speaking in their lives. Yeah. Or if they do, they, they're just not capable of listening to it. Right. Um, and, uh, oh, they're in their own like weird little cult kind of uh Right, where they've surrounded themselves with people that are all That are also unhealthy. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> you see that a lot with, uh, you know, this whole thing that happened in Boston, you know, and if it was these two guys that they're kind of talking about right now in the news... You know, I, I see that. I mean, it's just when people, you know, get together in an unhealthy way, it, it takes it takes prayer too. You know, it takes being in relationship with God and seeking His presence, and and again, like you were saying, family um, to help you see if the if the group you're in is unhealthy. You know, if it's is it me? You know, it, that's a good question to ask. And, and again, it's it's being humble. There's a, there's a thing to being spiritually humble, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It, and you can seek that out with pride, like you were saying with the extremists. Um, there's a lot of that in Ecclesiastes, like uh, King Solomon says that. You know, why why go to extremes? Why be so holy? Why be too holy? Because you destroy yourself, you know, or be too sinful. Um, but yeah, it's it's finding that scale, and, and but but really, it's it's relationship, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not you know an easy fix. It's not you know I'll plug this in and plug this in. It's 
you got to be you have to be somewhere messy you have to be messy all the time which yeah. relationships are yeah um you know and if you're in a place where everything you say everybody around you seems to agree with it's probably a dangerous <laughs> dangerous spot that's if right. everybody just kind of nods and smiles yeah. you know and you see that with celebrities all the time nobody's willing to stand up and tell them that, that they need to make some different choices right everybody just is a yes man yeah and and so if you're you know if you're not if you don't have relationships with where people really strongly disagree with some of the stuff you do, right? Um, uh, that's that's valuable. It's it's something that um, I appreciate. Um, I you know I have atheistic friends and and agnostic friends that I like to s stay in conversation with uh -huh. um, um, because they do bring up some of those hard questions and make me think about some of those things that um, that kind of even me out. Right. You know, I start, you know, I start thinking in Christianese sometimes if I, if I don't have some of that, um, some of that influence. Right. And then, and then, you know, um, and, and those atheists are usually pretty good at, at hammering <laughs> that down right. and thinking, is that, is that yeah. actually... Do you really believe, right? Or, right, or, right. This then is where you land. You gotta take a step back and figure out how to answer that. And, yeah. And, it's true, man. That's, uh... Something you were touching on earlier too in your story about the, the angry place that you were, and and I've been there too. And and it's like every you know you study the psychology of sexual addiction, and a big part of sexual addiction is anger. Right. Like that's another layer below it. If we're to unpeel the onion, anger, and and then there's pride, of course, which is a, a fuel for anger. But it's that's also part of it, like you were saying in your story, where when you were in that unhealthy spot and people weren't speaking into you live, it had a lot to do, like like with me, of judgment. Like, I'm just judging everyone. You don't know me. A lot of that was my woundedness as well. Like, you know, and some of the stuff that, that I was told to help keep me quiet was like, you know, if you really knew me, you'd reject me. Right. If you really, you know, and, and then starting to let people behind the counter. And then there's the, also the... Um, I'm better than you because I've been through more than you. Yeah, that's what I I have seen and have experienced myself. You know the the pride of being a bad person. Right. Um, is that you know you're well you're just a good person because your life has been magical and <laughs> right. sprinkled in fairy dust and you've never been through anything hard. That's right. right? Um, yeah. Which is yeah, it's. There's pride on both ends. The good yeah. person is really proud because they're a good person and better than, than all the bad people. And the bad people are really proud because um, be, because they've experienced a lot more hard stuff than the good people have. That's right. And I could admit to some of that, man. I've been a hard rock, heavy metal Pharisee myself, you know. Blues man, whatever, right? Just kind of, And it's still the same kind of religious pride. Um, it's not spiritually humble. Right. It's just kind of... You don't get me. And then it results in anger, and then it results in keeping people out, you know, not letting people in, not letting people see where we're... And that's the thing about Christianity is it's it, we're centered around Jesus. Like, we're not trying to be better us. I, I want to be the perfect me. I want to be more like Christ. Right. I want to conform more to Christ. I want to conform to his image. And as Christians, if we're honest and we can talk about that, that's why I like Pastor Mark will talk about the big E on the I chart. You know, there's so many churches and so many Christians that miss the big E on the I chart, which is Jesus. And if we don't 
if we're not honest about how we are conforming to his image, then we just conform to ourselves. Right. And then it just ends in anger. And then it ends in bitter relationships and peace never comes. And I mean, that, that's, that's a big part of our culture too. Our culture is going to tell us that it's just you. You need to be the best you you can be. Which for a lot of people that struggle with sexual addiction can be the worst message. You look at the divorce rate and, and, and stuff like that. It's, if it's centered around the self... It ain't healthy, is it? Yeah, I can't imagine being married because I thought it would make me a happy person. Like, like that's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hard for me to. Um, yeah, I don't think I would do it. Yeah, I wouldn't choose to do it in the first place if that was really, you know, I'd be so disappointed. That's right. And yeah, and yeah, that, that's a scary thought. Yeah, the idea of being married because I thought it would make me. But don't you get sex whenever you want it? That's why you know, you argue guys know nope. that. No, no, you don't. And that's not the point of sex, right? It's like, you know, this whole consumeristic, you know, buying the cow kind of. Right. you got to buy the cow if you want the milk. It's what the Bible says. Actually, the Bible doesn't say no, that. That's the <laughs> it's one of those things. This is not in the Bible, right? Along with God helps those who help themselves. Right. No, that's not in there either. Sorry. Uh, but, yeah, it's... Uh, that is that is absolutely true, and and it's it's being in relationship, and it's about intimacy, and grinding against one another because right. we're all selfish, sinful human beings, and and the beauty about marriage and the beauty about sex is that we would come together, and, and grind out our lives and and maybe r shave off some of these rough edges, right? Well, Tim Keller talks a lot about you know the marriage relationship and the children's relationship. He says the essence of being a parent is being a teacher uh -huh. and the essence of being in marriage is friendship and, and the, you know, and the most important aspect of you being in marriage is friendship. And, um, so, you know, friends make you happy, but the purpose of friendship is not happiness. Right. Um, you know, it's community, which is different. Um, you know, Everybody knows what a good friend is. You know, we talk about it a lot in our culture. And, and one of the big things that everybody always talks about being a, a good friend is somebody that, that you know, like you're saying, shaves your edges down, tells you when you're being an idiot, right. um, is there to, to, to help you through the hard stuff. And, you know, and it'll help you through the hard stuff that you're the cause of. That's right. And, uh, and you're doing that mutually. Yeah. Um, so, so... Uh, yeah, marriage isn't about happiness, it's about friendship, which does make you happy sometimes. Right. Um, but it makes you pretty miserable sometimes, too. Um, and that's something that Misha and I have to watch pretty regularly, is we get into these... Sometimes It's almost like playing house when you're a little kid, uh. where I'll be the husband, you be the wife, and I'll do what society tells me a husband does, and you would do what a wife you know, is supposed to do. And we get into these roles, and we start treating each other like society tells us to instead of treating each other like friend. Right. Um, and I start, you know, well, I've done this and this and this and this, and because I've done this and this, your obligation under the contract we've signed is that you do this and this and this, and you're not <laughs> fulfilling your end, so I'm not going to fulfill this part of my end. And and it starts to become contractual, and you, you can't have a friend based on a contract. Right, no. Um, and, and, then the and anger so, comes in. Right. And then, yeah, the you've violated my rights yeah. under this contract that we've agreed to. Yeah. And you're not you're not pulling your weight. 
And then there's this little electronic sexual portal over here that you can, we can peer right. into. Right. How full is my is my sexual tank, and what have you done? <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Exactly. And, oh man, that's so true. What would you say to the cat who's struggling in his marriage, about ready to give up? Maybe his wife's caught him, and uh, or what would you say to the guy whose whose his girlfriend broke up with him? And what, what would you what would you say to that guy, Derek? What, any any words of advice from from your story, from what you've learned? You gotta be humble and give up your pride. You gotta you gotta recognize that that you've messed up, you've hurt people, right? Um, and that you've got a lot of work to do. Um, to to fix that relationship, and that's something that needs to be worked on and fixed. And uh, and you got to give up the idea that you're a victim yeah. yourself, and and stop focusing on on um, you know st stop focusing on yourself, and and st start putting yourself in your wife's position and, and trying to be empathetic. Yeah. Um, and and. And genuinely want to fix the relationship because you want it to be a long-term thing, not fix the relationship so that everything will be back to the way it was and you can just keep doing what you were doing. Um, and, and don't expect that things will ever get back to the place that they used to be. Right. Um, and you don't want them to get back to the place that they used to be. It's easy <laughs> to get, put this picture in your head of this magical place before you got caught. Um, and, and, uh, and a lot of that innocent... Um, that you may have experienced um, is going to be gone, um, but that innocence was based on a lie, and yeah. that's um, you know it may sound healthy in your head, um, but you got to you got to give that up. It's not a health. It's a fantasy, yeah. um, and and all those memories uh, back then of how things were were is a fantasy. It was based on lies, um, and you got to figure out what the future um, the future looks like based on honesty which which takes more effort mm -hmm. um, but is more rewarding and and is becomes it becomes true intimacy and you may I mean and that person may have never experienced true intimacy in their life right just because they've always had this hanging over their head yeah. um, and it's a wonderful beautiful thing um, and you've just got to get to the place where you can uh, where you can go there and and um, and in general for me the uh, I find the more I do experience that true intimacy of, um, you know, of Misha seeing me as as ugly as I can be, um, but still choosing to love me, um, is is way better than any fantasy or fake or, thing right, that you present. Right, and... This fake innocence that I, yeah. you know, had set up. Me too, you know, that was like the biggest courageous thing I've probably ever done in my life is is to live in the truth, you know, is to stop the fakery and, and to show, you know, it, to sh it sounds negative, but to show my wife who I really was. I'm damaged, I'm wounded, uh, I have this proclivity, um, but, but here I am and do you still love me, you know. It's like the old adage, uh, if you truly, truly love something, set it free. If it really loves you, it'll come back. You know, and living in the truth is like that. You got to have the courage to be weak, which mm. is, which in our culture is unfortunately sounds like an oxymoron. Right. Because 
brave people are strong. Yeah. Right? Um, even women today. It used to be like a guy thing, but even women today have to show some kind of, I don't know, tough toughness. Right, and, in order to be brave and courageous. Yeah. But, I mean, the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life is let yourself be completely exposed to another person. Because yeah. everything inside of you tells you that that's dangerous. Right. And, uh, and that you're opening yourself up to get really hurt, which yeah. is true. Right. You are opening up yourself to the potential of getting really hurt. Um, but, you know, the bravest, bravest thing that I've ever witnessed people do in my life or, you know, like through that group um, that, I, that I was in, the men's group, um, some guys that had, you know, 30 years of, of 30, 40, 50 years of lies in their life and they'd never been able to open up it to anybody and, and finally letting that go in front of a group of men. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's the most respectable, courageous thing I've probably ever seen anybody do. Right. That's absolutely true. Derek, thank you for being on the podcast. I wanted to end with a with a prayer. I just feel feel led to do that. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you for Derek. I thank you for this conversation. Um, I don't know. I just feel like something's getting moved out there, and I just pray that that folks would understand that you are kind and loving God, that whatever religious BS that they may have been told in the past is not true, that you love a repentant heart that comes to you empty, hands with nothing in them, just, you know, needing love. You don't, you know, condemn us and and you're there and you and you love us and you give us what we do not deserve. You're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and and I pray that the folks would would know that 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 is the God of the universe. That it's not about religion. That's just that's just the way things are. Um, I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And I and I pray that more more listening would understand that that you created us naked you know, naked physically and, and, and having orgasms and, and that's part of your plan, but that also happens in the soul and in relationship and in intimacy as well. And it's your plan and it's a good plan. And I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Father, I just pray that you would uh, you touch everybody listening, um, that if there's been a, a place in their heart that's opened up that you would um, that you would work in that, um, that you would lead the people uh, listening to repentance, open brokenness, and um, and that you would give them uh, the courage to to drop their protections around their hearts, and uh, and allow you to be uh, present there and and aware of them, of, aware of who they are as real people, um, and that they would be able to be uh, weak in your presence. And, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Derek. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was fun. And to the listeners, bye.